500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my g'day everyone welcome to expand the phantom podcast our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can subscribe to our podcasts by youtube or through your favorite podcast apps uh, this is episode 223 of our June 2022 Comics and News podcast. We are the Chronicle Chamber team. Uh, tonight, I am Dan Fraser, and uh, well, I usually am, um, but I'm also joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jim? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, mate. Uh, I'm glad you know who you are tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do. <laughs> Um, looking forward to tonight, really looking forward to discussing um, some of the free comics and then the daily story as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's, I guess let's get cracking so we can hurry up and um, discuss that. Yeah, because there's a little bit, a bit of news as well and not so many through comics, but um, we wanted to, as you say, uh, move into them because there's, uh, the, the less we, less things we have to discuss, the more time we've got to discuss them. So um, anyway, so we'll start immediately with uh, Flame, uh, the Flame special. This is through 1920, um, which came out um, earlier this month or, um, yep, and Jermaine's got that one there. Um, so if you are, of course, watching us on the YouTube channel, you'll be able to see us as we work through the comic. Um, Flame is a 60-page special with the, uh, a recolored presentation or a full-color presentation of um, the original work from, uh, what year was it? 1980, the story from George Bess and Norman Worker, um, as it appeared in uh, Tim Fant or Fantaman. And then that's followed up with a backup story, which is a sequely type arrangement um, by Fru, um, the Fru team, Andrew Constant and Wevel Kevokanti, um, the resilient artist. So um, that's the, the comic we want to talk about. It's in full colour and on the quality paper. Um, Germ, I've, I've described the comic in detail. What were your impressions as you, um, as you read it? As I said to Dudley at uh, Supernova, you can never go back to the old paper. <laughs> not allowed to go back to the old paper. This comic with the full colour and even with a black and white story printed in the 1980s is amazing. It is well worth the $9 it will cost most people who go to the newsagent. But just the, the, the thicker paper looks uh, colour prints better on the thicker paper, should I say. I remember when we first discussed the colour paper, we said, I wonder what it will look like in colour. Um, yeah. I'm not disappointed. Are you disappointed? No, I'm not. And um, I've unpinned your germ because, yeah, um, yeah um, we're now just chatting about it. But no, I'm not, mate. The, the paper quality um, has absolutely enhanced the colour and it has given me pause for thought about colour. The $9 price tag is not nothing. And I know you said from news agents, but if that was a, the cost of a, and I know it's a 60 pages, so it's not going to be $9, but we might be looking, well, we'd certainly be looking at over five, I would have thought for your regular, if it was yeah. always yeah. in colour, if it was always the 36 pages on that regular, or, or on this nicer paper. Um, and that's going to cost subscribers as well. So it's a cost wherever you, but is it worth it? Gee, this is a really nice comic for $9. It is. I, look, let's be honest, a US comic, is about that price 
and you're looking at about half the pages. So the yeah. the oh, what's the word? The um, not the quality. The the value for money is still there, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes, it is not a dollar fifty. You know, but in saying that, a regular thirty six page issue, which we'll talk about later, that's four dollars. What? Four dollars twenty. So that's four dollars fifty, almost five bucks. Just in black and white, as it is. Black yeah. and white. So you know. Yes, we're not talking about you know comics are not a dollar fifty anymore. That that's what thirty years ago. Yeah, uh, that's three decades, a lifetime ago, a generation ago. Uh, <laughs> I know that's going to make you feel old, Dan. But, um... <laughs> no, but the good thing is that most of those you can still pick up for a dollar fifty off eBay. So. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, so have right. at it, fill up your collection because there's some great comics back there, and it's certainly what made me a fan. And and I think to you know you you was probably a dollar seventy five by the time you became. Uh, a, it was a still it was still a dollar fifty. Um, was it? There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's what, that's what makes us in the same area. You're just as old as me. <laughs> um, but look, so, the story is great. Um, this is what I was going to say. Like part of the reason why it re is such a successful comic, you know, the colours and the printing is um, and the paper is fantastic. But the story, um, both stories, are, are sensational. I thought. Yeah, yeah, agree. The flame is one of my. Look, I won't. I won't say it's the top five or top ten, but it's probably. It will easily be one of the better stories Tim Phantom have ever created. So maybe top 50 at the top of my head. Uh, it's a good historical story. It tells a story about Phantom's wife. She's, she's got spunk. She's got character in it. Um, and, you know, you can tell why. Oh, I can't remember. It was the Night Phantom. It's the Night Phantom, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. Head. You can tell why the Night Phantom falls in love with her and marries her. Um, and, yeah, yep. it's, it's a, that's a great story. And then what Andrew Constant and Wendell have done, in mm. talking to them, what they've told me is this is actually their way home after the first story. So it's yeah. like they have the story and then they're on their way home to Bengala. Yeah. Now, if I had to be picky, I would say that I'll defer... Um, uh, the Phantom in costume. Yes. And, you know, look, I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see uh, the flame in the Phantom costume and, and stuff like that. But I, I would prefer the Phantom in costume. But that's well, me being totally yes. picky. No, I understand your point because the Phantom himself is not ever in costume in this story. Mm. He's always sort of in this half. He's got his mask, but he's in his civvies. You know, there's no doubt in the ninth, time of the Ninth Phantom, people knew that Kit Walker was the Phantom because he's one and the same as he walks around there. Yeah, and if you just look on this screen, if you're looking on what I am now, I think it's, what, page 45 when, um, uh, who is it, uh, the Phantom is walking to go home and he's on the ship. He is actually in full costume. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like, his costume was destroyed and that's why he's in civvies is he was in costume at the end of that story and for it you know and i understand why he would maybe not walk around in costume but then why is flame walking around in costume i well, just it, the answer to that is one and the same i suspect there's only one costume he doesn't have a spare in his backup bag <laughs> So she's actually remodelled him and ta tailored his costume to her. So he doesn't have one available to him now because she's wearing it. That's yeah. why. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, yeah, look, 
Look, it's a minor, minor gripe. Andrew's done a great job with this. This is the type of stories that Andrew does a really good job with. I personally was let down with his Frankenstein story. Mm. Um, but this story, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, that's the Andrew that I am used to expecting. You know, top quality um, has added to the Phantom Law mm. and has added to a beloved story. And this flame story is is a is a love story not only in Australia but also overseas in Phantom Men and all that. Um, it was so popular that they actually released it as a standalone issue. Yeah, right. And it's been published probably a half you know half a dozen times around the yeah. world and, and yeah. stuff like that. So oh, there's um, no doubt that this is going to be a very popular um, story um, or a story with a lot of interest in it at the very least when it does splash down in Team Phantom because because it will. It's only a matter of time. They there is a uh, a flow of stories that way, um, yep. and this will definitely make it as well. Um, I agree, with, and I'd, I'd go so far as to say that this might be one of my, if not my favourite, Andrew Constant story. I think this is yep. probably the best Phantom story of his that I've that I've read. Um, I really, really enjoyed. I understand your your, your comment about the costuming, um, but it was forgivable, very, very forgivable. I thought it was. Uh, you know, I look. Whenever I do reviews, whenever I, you know, I try and pick on one thing that I would like to see improved. Yeah. And, you know, look, that's a fairly minor thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what I wanted to ask you, though, is does this, what does this do to um, the story or the mystique behind the female phantom? Because we're very famously, Julie is the female phantom and Heloise, to a lesser extent, Flame has never, in my ex experience, and I know you walk in more international circles than I do, Jim, but Flame has never been considered one of the female phantoms, but she very much makes her case in, in this story mm. and, in fact, looks quite a lot like um, the Boss Fight Studios Julie figure mm. with the flowing yeah. red hair. Yeah, yeah. Look, when Diana's dressed up as the Phantom before Julie has. Um, I think for the Phantom to become a multi-generational across both male and female, we do need to see more of this. As you can tell in the first story, you know, she was inspiring and uprising, mm. you know, helping out people you know, which is very phantom-like, you know, fighting mm. privacy, firing cruelty. You know, she's like, this is someone who they look up to. I'm going to do this, you know, and then she realises that the phantom is falls in love, mm. you know, typical typical romance and stuff like that. But, um, look, I have no problem with her dressing up as the phantom. Uh, Julia Adams was another one who we've seen in newspaper stories, I believe, was the fifth phantom's wife. No, she wasn't dressed as the phantom. No, that's what I'm referring to, though, because yeah. the female phantom that we see, like in the generation, the Jeff Weigel generations yeah. poster, um, Julie is in there as a female phantom. She's the only one. Yeah. There's there's a there's a door. Well, it's, I was going to say there's been a window cracked open. There's been a door flung open to yeah. have the yeah. ninth phantom, also to have maybe this is the origin of the phantom takes many forms, old jungle saying. When yeah, suddenly yeah. these two, um, you know, so anyway, I just think that um, Andrew maybe has, has tapped a real um, river here that could completely um, not change, but certainly add to the yeah. idea of 
actual an, another uh, line of phantoms or a generation that was, um, you know, lots of people in the family. Well, I would like to see, like, also uh, Alex Tripp in the um, Generations Folio set that Fru have just released on their website, which we've got a review, which will be out probably by this time this comes out. Um, that's also featuring the Night Phantom and Flame. You know, oh, I, yeah, I would like to see, you know, in an ideal in an ideal world, money not an issue, you know, that type of stuff. I would love to be able to see a a female artist or a female writer, one of the two, or even both. So you know, top of my head, a Julie Dittrich, a Lauren Marshall, teaming up and doing whether it's Julie, whether it's the Flame, whether it's Heloise. But doing a actual proper female phantom miniseries, whether it's you know four or five, two three page stories that are just flitted, fluttered throughout as backup stories, you know, and the, you know there could be ten of them, you know, in the next two three years, and then when they're all created, they get collected as graphic novel or a trade paperback and stuff like that, you know. I just, I just think that, I, I just, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, and I know we don't live in an ideal world, I know there's budgets and, and, and everything like that, but I just think something like that could be really, really, could be really good and could get and expand the Phantom's reach. Oh, you know, I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think we need to bookmark this uh, timestamp of the podcast and send it to Dudley and Glenn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't get that in their ear, um, last weekend at Supernova, then they should be getting it through the podcast. I think that's a fantastic idea. Mm. Um, I think that it'd be, um, yeah, could really work and um, be something, as you say, completely add to it. And mm. and it could be Diana as well in the times because um, we know, as you say, there's there's lots of opportunities. Well, and, and that's the beauty about what this has done with Flame is it's opened up another generation or another generational female character who could take lead and have a bit of a, a spin-off miniseries and i think kid phantom when kid phantom did that saga with miriam that just totally missed the mark the, the potential was there but then i think if you go one step further and have an all-female creative team and this isn't just a woke moment yeah the other problem with the other problem with the miriam or whatever her name was story um, was that it was just not the Phantom. Yeah. You know, the, the, the wife of the Phantom can be the Phantom. The sister can, you know, if you're that yeah. of me, um, it's, you know, obviously sisters um, are part of the generational cycle and we've seen, um, Heloise I suppose now with Flame, we're seeing the first yeah. wife, aren't yeah. we? That's the other difference, I suppose, with Flame is yeah. that Heloise and Julie, both obviously offspring sisters. of the Phantom. This yeah. one's a married in one, which is... Uh, I hadn't even yeah, thought of yeah. until just now. But, <laughs> but yeah, and, and look, this isn't this isn't a woke moment. This is uh, you know, the potential's there. Hmm. You know, and if and look, obviously through uh are trying to do it because they've now got female artists doing the epoch series. And yeah. so it's like, why not? Okay, look, let's let's you know, and all you gotta do is create one short story, and then if it is received well then you create more. And if it's a short story of four, six, eight pages, the, you're not spending too much money on 
you know, on the test. And you yeah. chuck it in the back of a comic, and then if it gets good reviews and it's a, and it's well received, well then you mm. get that creative team to do more. Now, mm. uh, look, there's a, um, there's, we see from gatherings like the weekend that, what percentage of fandom fans would you say are male? Probably ninety to ninety-five. Yeah, then so. There's a lot of uh, women and females and girls who are not getting into it, and if there are stories that they can identify with, and and you know, there's a there's a potential huge market there. So, um, and there's a rich, you know, the 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 um, the history, the the legacy is already there. You just tap into it, yeah. and uh, yeah, and yeah, you're and you're just adding to what's already there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Flame is an established story. It's been around for thirty years. Majority of fans, I would say probably 90 to 95% of fans that have ever read this story, love the story, enjoy the story. I haven't heard any negative comments about the new story. So it's not like you're creating something new that is going to put off fans. You, you, you're just adding, you're just building mm. upon what's already been created, right. already been established. Well, I'm, I am mindful of the time, and I think this is actually a really good segue as well because, um, well, I, I think that's a fantastic idea, Jeremy. As I said, get onto it, uh, Dudley, get onto it through. Um, if, we, if we come back to this issue of the comic, um, are you happy if I move on, Jeremy? Yeah, I just want to say quickly the cover. Um, oh, of course. Look, in my opinion, the back is better than the front. Um, I just... The cover just feels a little bit empty or half finished. And I really like what Clayton does. I remember his Christmas, I think it was his Christmas cover a couple of years ago. It was top quality. Really like what he's done. But I just feel that this cover is a little bit empty, which is a little bit of a pity because I, normally I like his work, but this is probably, in my opinion, it's probably his weakest of, of the covers that he's done. Yeah, and look, I, I can't argue with you too much there. It's um, I, I think what it says though is that we've cut, we've come to have such a high standard for fruit covers as well. Like if we came, go back six, seven years, and this had suddenly appeared, we would have been yep. in absolute raptures. Um, but the work, you know, you see the detail, and we we're about to talk about it. That's another nice segue. I'm not going to use it, but it, if you want to look at the detail on the cover of Grange Wallace's issue, which follows, yep. um, it's chalk and cheese, and um, you know, um, it, it, it's a pity that the cover probably didn't match the the contents of this particular yeah. issue. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, the segue I was actually talking about was to throw to, I've, I said to you, to you before the podcast, Jim, I'd have a chat with my son, Gus, the 13-year-old, my 13-year-old son, he came to join uh, me at the Lee Fort Memorial Legos Club dinner um, last week and he appeared on last week's podcast and he's got a bit fired up actually because um, he got some nice compliments and some and some people spoke to him at the dinner about um, having heard his work on the podcast and that sort of thing before. I and think he, he had more it. nice comments about his work than what you did. So oh, I think it's just a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he's, he's just gone, oh, I haven't actually done it for a while. I want to get involved again. So he's going to have a read of, um, of this issue in the morning. I'm going to send you the clip of um, him having a five or ten minute review. Righto, so as promised, I'm here with Gus now to have a look at the Flame special. How are you, buddy? Good. Excellent. And uh, you've had a bit of a read of this comic this afternoon? Yeah. So we've already talked about it on the podcast. So just to touch on a few of the things we talked about, what do you think of the cover? 
I think the cover is really good. Um, it especially like trying to be careful. Um, when you take it out, it demonstrates both of the stories that are in there. Um, but also how both of the stories are connected. Like, yeah. With the flame and the, yeah. the girl with the red hair. Yeah, and just them coming back from um, there. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. It so, looks really interesting. Yeah, cover looks really interesting. Did it? Um, did you look at the cover much, or do you just dive out straight into the story? Uh, no, I check on most books um, to see um, if it's got one of the double page ones, which I like. Yeah. It tells a big thing about the story. So if the, the front and the rear cover both sort of work together as one big story. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a look at the inside of the book. So we had a talk about um, the fact that this is a, a colour comic rather mm. than most phantoms are. But it was funny because when I mentioned that after you read it, you didn't realise, hey. Yeah, one, one, if it's a really good story, I don't even realise that there's colour until I finished. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you, the colour certainly didn't jump out at you or whatever, but you're 13, mm. you're used to colour everywhere, yeah. I suppose, too, so... Um, and what did you think of the story? Let's let's start with the first story because it's an old story. It's from um, the first time it came out. I was about three years old. So, mm. what did you yeah. think of the first story? I thought it was really interesting um, about the Phantom and his wife. Yeah, it was a really good origin story for the Night Phantom. I think. Yep. Yeah, and also. I, I like how the Phantom um, commands a crew. Yeah. Like, he just shows them he's the Phantom and they accept him as their captain. Yeah. Yeah, it's really awesome. Sort of says something about what a strong leader he is. Yeah. Yeah. And did you like the type of the pictures, the artwork? Oh, yeah, they're very detailed. Um, and you can... If the words weren't there, I reckon you could still tell a fair deal. Yep. And what about the story? Like, it's you read Harry Potter and that sort of thing, so mm. this sort of story is not too complicated for you? No. It's, yeah. You're it's able to good. keep up? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And um, the we did you get a surprise when um, the Phantom was also on the gallows as well as being, um, I think it might be the next page. Yeah, so the Phantom goes to save whoever's getting hung and it turns out that it yeah. is a Phantom. Yeah, that... Uh, it it confused me at first. Um, I I knew someone was going to be, um, the, um, pretending to be the Phantom. Yeah. But I thought it would be another man. Right. Um, so it did surprise you when it turned out to be a girl. Yeah. Um. And he only finds out that after a few pages. Hey, there mm. you go. Yeah. So the so that's the first story. Mhm. Mm Yep, so what about the second story? Go ahead. Oh, we went as far through as we thought. There you go, welcome aboard. Yeah. So, the f I think it was the first um, adventure since they both got on board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for a short story, it's very entertaining. What makes you say that? Oh, just fast-paced. Mm. Very fast-paced. And 
he's obviously the hero <laughs> when you look at him. Yeah. Um. Jermaine thought it was weird that the Phantom wasn't in costume. Did you agree with that? Um, not weird. I, I, I thought it was actually a bit more in entertaining because he knew he it was the Phantom just from the mask. Yeah. Yeah, and that just shows how much the mask is to everyone. Like, yep. yeah. Cool. All right, and when you came down to record this bit, the first thing you said was, well, can I grab the flame um, toy that you just got in the cupboard too? So do you want to show us that? Yeah. Got this one with the... So what made you think of this character, this figure, when you read the story? I mean, um, beside the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can put the obvious right there, isn't it? There. Yep. Yep. So what we're doing is we're showing the uh, Boss Fight Studios figure right next to page 49 of um, the Flame issue. And um, you can tell it's the same character, just a different colour costume at this stage. <laughs> yeah. So we did talk about that in the podcast actually as well, the fact that this one... Um, well, it's called a Julie figure, but all we've done actually is we've taken the uh, the red hair off the red suited boss fights figure and put that on the uh, blue suited boss fights and yeah she's a you've got a flame so there you go julie in the red suit and flame in the blue mm. cool all right well thanks very much Gus. overall what did you think of this uh this uh book very good i, I thought it was a very entertaining and fun to read book uh comic yeah cool all right well thanks mate until next time happy phantoming all right, so um, thank you, whatever came out of that conversation. We'll move on now to uh, through 1921. Um, this is the issue Kingdom that is highlighted by Kingdom of the Pirates, Norman Worker. Oh, that was the one thing I was going to ask you, Germ. Last thing, back on Flame. You notice the error on the front page? Oh, no, what was the error? The, I think I've got it on the thing. The art and the story. Um, credits are given the wrong way around. Oh, yes. So it's the best work that Norman Work has ever done with the brush. <laughs> anyway, Kingdom of the Pirates, which is by Norman Worker as well, um, with art by Jamie Valve in this occasion. Um, it's another jam-packed issue. It's only the 36 pages, but it's so full that the, there's no message from the publisher from Dudley because at the back end we've got the Matt Kime and Shane Foley collaboration, um, the issue with Halloween, and it's the final part of that. Two very different stories, very different issue to what we were talking about just before. Do you want to start with the cover this time? Because um, as we sort of mentioned earlier, uh, Grange Wallace's cover here is just stupendous. Stupendous, I like that word. Um, look, for those who want to see this cover, this was done originally, and he actually um, uh, he's done a bit of a like a clip of the process and all that, which is, is, is worth looking at. Um, it's, yeah, it's, he's, he's done a great job. Look, if I, look, I, I like the cover. I also like um, how the arm goes over the phantom bit. You know, we've talked in, I've talked in the past about how it kind of gives that 3D look, you know, it feels like the phantom swinging out of the cover and, and, and stuff like that. My only criticism is i think the cover works better 
as the drawing of what he showed me than what it does actually for the cover. And I'm not sure if that kind of makes sense, but... You're saying the original art, the line work. Yeah, it's just like it, it looks better with what I saw. And then when I saw it on the fan, on the, on the comic, I kind of thought, oh, I thought that was going to look better. And, and I, don't know, I don't really know how to explain it. But I remember seeing it on the video and I'm just like, wow, that's a cracker. He's done a great job. I, you know, I thought about, you know, wonder what, you know, wonder what the original is going to be priced at. You know, like it was at that level of I'm interested, I might take this further. But then when I saw it on the cover, on the comic, it didn't give me that satisfaction as when I first saw, when I saw the, the landscape. And I'm not sure whether it's because I saw this instead of seeing, you know, the, the, yeah. the double page spread or whether it didn't give me the same impact because I had already seen it. And I, and I don't know how to explain it, but looking at this comic, it doesn't fill me with the same excitement as when I saw the artwork when he showed it on that video clip. Yeah, look, I, I kind of get where you're coming from, and I think the reason that I say that is because as I look at the as I look at the back cover um, and that cargo netting, I seem to remember in Granger's video him talking about commenting about particularly the detail in that cargo netting, and you don't really see it in this printed copy, um, whether it's too dark or the colours are too saturated, whatever it is. So maybe it's that finer detail that's in the original that didn't yeah. quite translate. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it, and it's. It was interesting because I had this same conversation with uh, another fan and I'm just like, did you see the car? And, and they're like, oh, yeah, it was really good. And I'm like, I – and then I, I tried to explain myself as I've tried here as well and I failed then as well as I failed. <laughs> Failing now. Um, it's, it's still, it is still – It's still a great cover. It really is. I, and I love um, – I loved the moment when I was reading the story when I recognised the cover. You know, there what was. What page uh, is that for people oh, to look at it? Um, it and it, it wasn't anything like a, a translation of. It was just oh no, I'm that's this moment in the story. Page 20, 22, 23, I believe it is, is when he's swinging aboard and. Yes, absolutely, and and doing the classic phantom trope of stalking around the ship, taking the the bad guys out one at a time, mm. and then you as that's happening, that's when I had the 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 moment to go. Oh, this is the front cover, and this is the the broad the big picture of all of these uh, roughnecks, all of these pirates knocked down all over the place. So yeah, and then on page twenty two, you've got you know you've got the guys looking looking around, going, oh look, you know, there's such and such as yep. he's knocked out. There's another guy knocked out, yeah. you know, and stuff. And, and I think that's one thing that I like about what Grange has done is it's not a copy from a panel. He's used that, that part of the story and then he's almost given us a, another angle of that action. 100%. Yeah. Of, the, 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 he's, taken, he's gone, he's taken it out, taken us up, yeah. the drive, you know, so to speak. Um, and... It's a, it's a pity that um, the second pirate coming out the door is hidden under the Kingdom of the Pirates issue with Eloise um, title over here because there is a, yes. that there is that second character coming out the door and he's hidden by that that font that text which is a pity um, but um, yeah I think that I, I thought it before that it gave me a moment of wonder as I read the comic to go oh, 
and there was, and then I had to go back to the cover to go, oh wow, and it gave me a new appreciation for it. And I'm also going to give a shout out to the the skull in the clouds on the horizon there. I think that's really cleverly done, very subtle, yeah. and very but very effective. Yeah, yeah. I think if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't see it for a while. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the video and just like, oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, what did you think of the story, the Kingdom of the Pirates story? Oh, a solid story. Um, I, I do like Norman Worker's um, stories. Um, the more I read of his work, the, the better those are of the... the he would be my favourite Team Phantomman writer, no doubt. Yeah. Um, wow. So, no, I, I do like his stories. And, um, no, it's a, yeah, a good classic example of his genre, I suppose. So, one thing, I'm not sure if anyone picked up on it, I... I got a little bit confused, but the bad guy dresses up as a scarecrow. Yeah, and he's called Black Gull. We've, and and the, but the connection isn't. Oh, the, his ship is called the Black Gull. Yeah, um, and that's what confused me. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Is there was a pirate called Black Gull who yep. dressed up as a scarecrow, yep. who was in the twelfth and the thirteenth Phantoms' life. Yep, and whether this is the fourteenth Phantom, so I'm reading it and I'm seeing Black Girl, Scarecrow, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is the origin. And I'm going it's no, so close to that, isn't it? Fits, yeah. And uh, I actually had this conversation with uh, Dudley, and I'm, I'm like, have we made a mistake here? Have we mixed it all up and all? That? And then you read it later on, and it's like, no, okay, this is the ship is Black Girl. Yeah, um, you know, it's a different. So thing. I don't. I, I feel like it's a, a swing and a miss for Norman in terms of matching it up with those other stories. And I can tell you off the top of my head, that's through issue 565 um, has got the original of, no, sorry, is it 765? Now, now I've embarrassed myself. But it's the, the first, one of the first uh, Phantom yeah. stories published by through. Um, yeah, is yeah the, and I'll just. The one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then and there's the sequel, which was done by yeah. Dick Goriander, where it was, I think it was, it was about a year later when yeah. it was the daughter of Black Girl. Who and Prue published that not so long ago, that one. Yeah, it was by Dick Goriander, so it would have been probably a good decade or two ago. Maybe oh, I thought I'd thousands. seen a, a reprint of that one recently. Maybe I just reread that comic recently. Um <laughs> Yeah, so no, it feels like he was trying to write with those characters, but couldn't quite remember who they were or how yeah. the words were used. It, it, so in that sense, it, it was a um, it would have been would have been more exciting if it had matched up with the others. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, what did you think about like the? And I don't think this is an issue, but I'm wondering if there's anyone who thinks of the issue where the Phantom demonstrates the snuff box and. And, and stuff like that. Um, oh, I think no, I, I didn't have a worry with that. I, I think the Phantom still has to be a product of his time and he needs to be a progressive and modern product yeah. of his time. Um, but, you know. He doesn't actually take the snuff, it must he, be said. He, no, exactly right. He demonstrates it, but he's not, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I just wonder. So, oh, I wonder if anyone's going to get upset about that. But look, I, I enjoy the story. I like this panel here of Garan sleeping on the skull <laughs> on the skull throne. It's just something a little bit fun. Um, it's a good story. 
Um, Completely out of context. There's no reason for it. It's it's just um, yeah. it's something else that's going on in the skull cave. I love. I, I like that. Yeah. Look, I you know. I look. It's a great story. I, I enjoyed it. Well, probably not a great story. It's a good story. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad we've read it. Like I, you know, like sometimes when you get these hidden gems that are reprinted you know, two, three, four decades afterwards, you kind of look at it and go, yeah, I understand why we never got that one. But with this one, it's like, I'm glad I got to read that. Yeah, absolutely. And and it does. It, it does take me, it's, it gives me, it's a nostalgic view uh, feeling because um, those were some of the first Team Bunderman stories I read as they came out in Fruit. And as I said, Norman Worker and Jamie Valvey, he's one of my favourite, you know, artists from that neck of the woods as well. So um, it was a real nostalgic feeling, but something still new. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It would have been, yeah, th- there's no reason why that wouldn't have, shouldn't have come out at the time other than perhaps the confusion about which one was Scarecrow and which is the yeah. Black Cull. So uh, moving on to the issue with Helloways, um, this is, it's a, a really, it's a really heavy read. Like the first, the first couple of issues were, I won't say light and fun because they weren't light and fun, but they were lighter than this third part, which is, which is a re- it's it's a really heavy read. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on it? I agree, um, but I, I I want to qualify that I agree in a really positive sense. And you may have yes. been using yes. heavy in a really positive way, but I just wanted to clarify that that's how I would mean it absolutely because it's. Um, it's got it deals with mature themes. There's obviously a discussion of suicide, and and someone gets talked down off a ledge. Um, there's extreme violence and gunfire and deliberate attempts to kill, and you see that um, a near drowning, and then all of the emotional stuff at the end. And they at the end, which is just you know really touching. And uh, Matt and Shane squeeze that into what ten pages? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> they um. And they do, and like there's some beautiful panels, like that top one there, of the Phantom and Heloise. Yeah, um, it's just it's a very beautiful. And then Shane Foley gets the Steggy back in there as well. Um, he gets Steggy back in there, and that's the second time he's able to draw him in uh, three parts. Um, it's I, I should, cool. should have. I hadn't read this before um, the weekend. Obviously, I would have loved to ask Matt if he had written Steggy in, um, <laughs> or if Shane has just gone. You know what? It looked good here. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting Steggy back in there. Oh, well, can I tell you though that the that panel at the bottom of page 35 with Steggy in it, I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. It's, it's Look, such a great way to. I reckon for the art collectors out there. You gotta go that last page. You, yeah. Someone has to, you know, half tempted myself uh, to contact Shane and see if that last page is available for purchase because that's a beautiful panel. But all right, there's not the action, there's not, you know, but there's the, you know, the storytelling done by pictures. Uh, yeah. Shane has done a great job, and there'll be, you know, because there won't be the, the speech bubbles. Um, you know, there's there's Diana in there. There's Heloise. There's a Phantom in every panel. That is a cracker page. Um, 
And yeah. <laughs> you've talked me into it. I'm going to contact Shane before the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, before someone else listens to it. Or exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, so we, I know we don't have um, parts two, one and two in front of us, but we've talked about that in the past podcast. What's your thoughts, Nia, on the story as a whole? Story as a whole, it's a real coming of age for Heloise. And I know we've seen Heloise come to age in the daily stories, but it fits very well with that as it could have happened on either side. So it's while it's not connected in, or a part or a prequel or a sequel of what we've seen in the daily stories, you could see that in the in the lead up of Hel- Heloise becoming the phantom or uh, you know a, a effective human being in society that those two stories what's happened in the daily stories what's happened in here written by matt go together very well and it's like this is the reason why heloise who she is there's this story and there's that story and they go together quite nicely mm-hmm. it's um i agree i really enjoy it as a as um that coming of age story of Heloise and it, it fits nicely with my um, mental image of that character um, as Tony DePaul laid out in the um, uh, reckoning the, with the nomad reckoning with the nomad story from three or four years ago. Um, you know, I, I think they, that that's an effect, effective character. My question to you was going to be, you just commented before about um getting an all-female team to write about a female phantom. We've got an all-male team here writing uh, Heloise's story. It's called The Issue with Heloise. Um, and it is her coming-of-age story. Um, I don't know if either you or I are in a great position to comment about that, but what's your thoughts on it being an all-male team? Do you think they, that an all-female team would have handled that different story differently? Um, um, no. I, look, on the back of saying what I said before, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this was done very well um, by an all-male team. And this isn't having to go that males can't create a good story about a lead fan, a lead mm-hmm. female role. I just think that, you know, I just think that would go quite well and it would um, attract more female readers and stuff like that. You know what I think it's- is important in this story is that Matt and Shane are lifelong fan of fans who know the character yeah. in here. And so they don't need to be female to know who Heloise is. Um, yeah. So. And and what I what I like about this is and in talking to both Shane and Matt, they like what's happening in the in the daily stories where excuse me, the twins are mature and not these spoiled little brats which we've seen for the last 20 years. Yeah. And so they've said, no, 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 I'm not having the spoiled brat type stuff. We're having, you know, these are people that have been trained from the age of, you know, of birth to become the next phantom. Mm. You know, brat behaviour should not be happening. Mm. Oh, and that's phantom. that's not even close to that in this. is It's yeah. a genuine um, adventure story with Heloise yeah. as, the, as the hero. Um, and with warts and all, she's not a perfect hero and she's on a journey and we see that so eloquently in those last two pages, as you've said. Um, you know, I think 
I really, really enjoyed that story. I'd actually like to see it because it won't come out anytime soon as a single issue, but I think it deserves to be, um, those three. Yeah. And in saying stuff like that, Heloise shows her physical and yeah. her phantom troops. You know, she shoots she shoots a gun out of, out yep. of someone's thing like that. She, you know, she's rescuing someone from being drowned. Yeah. Um, the, the reason she's critical about herself is because she put herself in harm's way rather than let the unconscious, you know, that's why she's upset. Um, so her, her morals and her courage and her, uh, her readiness to be the phantom is, um, is right, is on display. It's right yeah. there. Yeah. Look, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed what Matt and Shane have done. Um, in the podcast that we did with Matt, which was probably about five, uh, podcasts ago, he talks about how he's got a short story, which is kind of like this but from kit's perspective and he's actually done the art of that so it'll be interesting to see when that comes uh if you if that kind of perks your interest go back listen to the podcast with matt uh and he kind of talks about what the kit version of this is but i think it's only a two-part back-end filler story very good all righty then. Um, with all of that said, yep, time to move across to the giant size Phantom Annual, um, 212 pages of, uh, of giant size. Um, Great just- cover. Great cover from, um, uh, from Glenn. There's the front. There's the back. You've got, what, four, eight different characters on there. Um, you've got Colour color story of the imaginary playmate, um, which was coloured by Ivan uh, Patterson. Um, I think he's done a good job with this. Mm. Um, and then you've got uh, old stories and a mix of new stories. So you've got the Phantom, Catman, Crimson Collet, and the Panther and Phantom Ranger, uh, and Sir Falcon, which are all old stories. Then you've got Planet Man which is a new story by Shane Foley, which is a must-read. It is a really enjoyable story. Even if you're not a... um, uh, Even if you are not a a Planet Man reader or fan, uh, the Phantom is shown in it, um, and there's just a a very hilarious moment towards the end when uh, Shane Foley tries to solve... Every male's problem. Um, so look, it's 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 worth it's worth reading that. Um, and then you've got uh, old story, the Phantom Commando and the Shadow, and then you've got the new story, the Raven, which is also in colour by Andrew Constant and um, Jason Paulos. I just quickly comment: Jason Paulos's art matches this story very very well. It's it's dark, it's moody. I really like that panel there of the girl crying and you can see a smear, smeared makeup um, on page one, uh, 196. Uh, there's this big one-page thing here. Look, it, it does a good job. Have you read much of this? Um, I must admit, admit that I have not. I've flicked through it a couple of times, but... Um, I've been intrigued by it. And, you know, the funny thing is a couple of times I've caught myself looking at art from the old stories going, oh, is that a new 
No, it's not. You know, the, the I guess the uh, are we looking at better quality printing paper for these as well? We are. Yeah. Um, and so the old art actually looks better on this paper than it that it did on the past. So yeah. But that said, no, I hundred percent agree with what you say about um, the the Raven story. And I do, as I flick through it again in a bit more detail now, I really do look forward to going back and reading that. I will. Um, um, let's slip. I know most of what's said at the dinner stays at the dinner, but I was speaking to Andrew Constant and he did talk about how much he enjoyed the Raven character um, and how, yeah, the, the fun that he was having and the, the um, joy that he got from, from writing, in that writing that character. He really enjoys it. And um, so if, you, if someone enjoys writing, um, it's usually enjoyable to read. Um, and then the, I, I like having all of the, the reprints have got colour uh, for their cover pages, um, which is um, a nice breakup as you go through. Um, and then, yeah, I, I agree with what you said about the, the Phantom story. I've obviously read this one before, but um, it is refreshing to see it in colour. And as, as I flicked through it, I thought, yep, um, Ivan's done a, a really good, solid job with that one. Yeah, and here's the interior colour versions of the cover that you were talking about you're right and it, the colors look great um ivan's ivan's done good a lot this is a fun story it's the type of story that fits well in a giant size issue it's it's fun you don't really take it serious and the fact that it's in color just kind of makes it pop a little bit and makes it even more enjoyable dare i say mm -hmm. What did you, just to duck back to the cover, what did you think of Glenn having uh, the Phantom in virtually his grayscale? He's black and white, his grayscale. Um, it's not just a grey Phantom. It's a... The face is... <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It stands out against the colour of every other character that he's put on there. I wonder if Glenn is making his own little commentary there about uh, <laughs> grey Phantoms and black and white versus colour. <laughs> well, all of the other guys are colour coordinated. So you've got yeah, your red scale and orange scale and whatever. But yeah, yeah. So you're right, and then uh, you've, of course, you've got the, you've got that as well. So now, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I have seen a race uh, to come a cover from Glenn Lumsden, and he's not in grey. So that makes I know. Sorry, that, that doesn't. What are you saying? He's. I've seen a, a new cover from Glenn. Glenn Lumsden that's to come out in the next year or two or whenever it gets yeah. and his phantom is not in grey. That's what I thought you said. That doesn't make yes. any sense. I know. I know. <laughs> that was like, I was shouting, I'm going, he's not in grey. He's not in grey. You know, what's, what's going on? You know, Glenn Lumsden's that's phantoms are always in grey. That's, yeah, that's what he's iconic and he's known for. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of, it threw me. I'm thinking, no, nah, I can't be yeah. him. Um, look, this you know, look, it's a it's a twenty it's a twenty dollar comic, right? It's not it's not a cheap it's not a cheap comic. Um, it's probably something that not every fan would buy, but there's going to be a lot of Australian fans, Australia Australian uh, comic fans who will look at this and go, "Wow, twenty dollars! I get ten stories. That's two dollars a story. Uh, it's got a great cover." Um, you know, it, it's it's money it's money well spent, and yeah, I I think Fru have done a good job with that. I I do too, and I really hope that they achieve like a 
Um, like they're really starting to establish, I would think you're starting to establish a following for some of these other characters. Yes, um, yes. And that and that would be really exciting. You know, I don't know you'd ever get to a point where you could release a, a Raven or a Planet Man or a whatever standalone comic, whether that would ever be successful. But, I mean, clearly these are selling enough for them to keep doing it. We've seen with through that if something's not profitable, they'll, they'll stop selling yeah. it because they're not going to, they're not a charity. No. Um, so these are clearly, are clearly um, holding their own um, end. And so that's exciting for, you know, people reading these other stories. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. All right. Well, that pretty well covers everything that has come out of through um, since last time we did comics and news. Um, we're now going to go around the world, and I figure we just go bang, bang. We, we're not going to come in back in between these, are we, Jim? No. No. So we'll go around the world. We're going to hear from um, Sweden. Um, Mikkel Sol is going to take us through the latest Fantomun stories. Um, we're going to go to India with Ann. No, is it Ann Kidd? Who's, who's reviewing Regal for us? Um, I'm reviewing the Regal one, actually, because one of the reasons was is because Ankit was so heavily involved. We thought it would be better if it was an independent review rather than something that he had such... Fair enough. We wouldn't have sat down and uh, reviewed the uh, Bushfire book. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, fair call. All right. Um, so we'll hear from our resident Indian, Jerm, um, as he goes <laughs> to the latest Indian publication. Welcome back to another Fantoma Review with me, Mikael. And this time it is issue 12 of 2020 with this cool cover would it be the cover of the year i heard at least one in egmont think so and it is uh, nice and clean made by henrik solstrom then we have editorial page uh, with uh, the editorial team of phantom and if you have broken uh, uh, comic books you can call them and get new ones if you're a subscriber that is the main story uh, coast of chains Maybe the English translations would be She had Jonas Kust It is Daniel Carlson's latest story with art by Anthony Spey uh, I think this is Daniel's third story it Takes place during the 13th Phantom's time and re reuses Ben Oaks from the earlier Team Phantom stories He's now the colonel of the jungle patrol and wants to rid the country of slavery Interestingly, the Neglami tribe has an appearance uh, here, and more in the story, and uh, are quite friendly. But maybe some of the events in this story and um, is the starting point of the change of the trajectory of this tribe. So that is the reason we they are so bloodthirsty when we see them in the Singh Brotherhood. Maybe after that we have a. Daily Story, The Connoisseurs by Klaus Rometti and George Olsen and Keith Williams. In my opinion, one of the better stories made in the aftermath of Falk's death. Uh, a rich guy pays to get endangered animals to his private island, where his rich friend hunt them. Uh, when the phantom gets caught, he is the new prey, but little did they know how resourceful the phantom can be. And upcoming in the next issue, it is Andreas Eriksson and Ivan Rodriguez story, Femme Fatale, that was first published in Fru. 
And also Lee Falk's last newspaper story that was finished by his wife Elizabeth with art by George Olsen and Keith Williams. So looking forward to that. This time we have a great cover by Henrik Sahlström and it's a bit different than the usual covers. I really enjoy this a lot and it's issue 13 of 2022. The main story is by Andreas Eriksson, so the editor, and art by Ivan Rodriguez, Femme Fatale. It has already been in fruit. And I, as the cover, I enjoyed this story a lot. Street smart head character plays Phantom so well, understanding his weakness and use it against him. The issue also includes the last story by Lee Falk that was finished by his wife Elizabeth with art by George Olsen and Keith Williams. The editorial page also writes a lot of easter eggs and stuff that's uh, kind of cool uh, regarding the story. Yeah, Terror at the Opera it's called and uh, we finally get Phantom of the Opera. I think this story is quite strong if you consider the circumstances in which it was written and uh, yeah not that much more to say about it uh, there's also what's happening in next issue we will see a new story phantom is back in sweden and it's written by Mikael sol and art by kim v anderson who has done some phantom world earlier a reprint by king of chicago the doubles the two-parter story so it's quite long so it's a yeah it's a double issue and uh lee falk cyberry george olsen eric dosher story this has a totally different name in english let's see if i can find it here it's uh, phantom world in english the story about saint Genis, if you would translate it directly yeah i think that's all it for this one check it out if you haven't already i mean this the coloring of this through story is amazing i would say yeah thank you and happy phantoming you today we are going to be reviewing the regal trade paperback titled terror of the phantom you can find out more about this in our podcast where we interviewed the publisher and the uh, cover artist who also did a lot of the interior work Ankit, in episode 219 now Ankit, who normally does our reviews um our reviews for indian comics is not doing this purely because he did a lot of this work and we wanted an impartial reviewer um i also have to give a shout out to callum where this is his copy um purely because i do not have my copy yet so a shout out to callum for that okay let's look at it look front cover amazing love the movie style um poster you've got the good guy you've got the main antagonist and then you've got main characters and then you've also got the phantom with hero and devil now that's an iconic pose um and you know it's kind of like a must now the style you know you've got the explosion um you know Ankit's done a great job to mimic 
how Tony DePaul has drawn it, because let's face it, most of the artwork is Tony DePaul, like that there is very iconic DePaulish, if that's such a word. Uh, love this as a back as a back one. Uh, could have been used as the front cover, but I think he is right in using it as the back cover. Minor quip, and he will get a chuckle out of this, and I'm sorry, Ankit, but where's the chain of patience? Um, also, Phantom can have uh, videos and everything, but he still lights the skull throne with that and not using electricity. Look, uh, you've got the interior. I love these these back like these background images of the Phantom and Chatu and, and in there. It just it adds care and depth. Like most fans wouldn't even notice it or wouldn't even notice the images, but it, it's just like a little bit extra, which just adds a little bit. Just adds, I don't know, I just really like it. You've got the content, so we've got one, two, three, and then we've uh, four, five, five stories. No, sorry. One, two, three, four, five stories, and one of them is a five-parter. So you can either go nine stories or five stories, depending on how you like it. Uh, dedication to Paul Ryan, very fitting touch. Look, the paper quality is very is very good. It's not quite as thick as a free one, but I like the paper quality. It's For a trade paperback, it's a nice feel. It's not too stiff to be able to open a comic. You know, like you can quite easily read it. Sometimes if it's too stick, stiff, you, you don't want to read it past this because you're in fear of the, um, uh, the, the binding to split, but that's not the case. Quite comfortably goes like this and it's readable so very very good job with that um the stories great production good colors uh nothing's fuzzy they haven't edited them they've done a good job with it um and then you've got where are we so i'll just go to the end you've got a nice tribute to Paul Ryan by uh, Duncan, Duncan the Everywhere Man. Uh, this is a nice uh, interview with uh, Tony DePaul. It just gives you a bit of an idea, a bit of a history about what happened. Look, in my opinion, every trade paperback needs these little extras because it gives people like me who have read these stories, have got these stories in 10 different issues, it gives us another reason to buy this. And that, a lot of the time you'll learn something in this. Um, a few little guys from Chronicle Chamber, myself, Dan and Mikkel uh, from Chronicle Chamber, who obviously do Chronicle Chamber with Ankit, so it's nice, a, a little mention there. Um, then you've got this as well. Now, I wouldn't have mind, if I had to be picky, a little, another extra page or two of this in largeness, and you know, with some the progress shots, but you know, that's, that's being picky. Um, and then, Maybe the the type. I'm from from my point of view. I never use type with lots of serifs in small writing. But that's a that's a minor, minor, minor gripe. Um, spine's good. Like I said, it's easy to it's easy to read. Um, and then if you buy it through through through, have basically sold out of these. So you got to get a Phantom fan to be able to get it for you. There's still some in um, Regal from India, but you can only buy them through India. They don't ship overseas. I believe through are going to try and get a couple more. 
but I would not wait. I would, if you do not have one of these, contact through first, and then when that doesn't happen, go find an Indian friend that will buy one for you. They do come with these collector cards here. So you've got a beautiful little pouch, and then, I'm not sure if you can tell, but it's a, it's a coarse type of paper, as you can see with the reflection there. That's from Graham Nolan, that's very nice. Um, now, I know Anchor is a, is a huge fan, but the Phantom is a, looks very much like a Hans Lindell, in my opinion. That's very Tony Porsche, and then there's that picture. However, if I had, probably the biggest gripe would be the sizing of these, because let's, let's get a trading, uh, a slip, and let's just show you what I mean. They fit, but they fit, uh, what do you call it, in height, but the length doesn't quite match. But that's, that's a very minor gripe. At least they fit, and at least they're not overhanging kind of like that. That would be a major problem if that was the case, but that's not the case. So, look, these are good. Every fan likes little extras, even if you've got to pay for it extra on the free website. Look, this is a great book. They've done a great job. Um, there's potential for more collections like this. We've got the Mexican Phantom style. We've got uh, the little Bunga Phantom. You've got uh, probably a Nomad one of these, the Phantom versus the Nomad, which would dovetail right really well in this. I would like to see through and other publish. I would like to see at least two of these type of trade paperbacks released every year for Phantom fans. Um, if marketed correctly, these would sell very well. Um, make sure you check out episode 219 for a full interview with um, Ankit and also the publisher um, of uh, uh, Prahish, I think it, I th think it was from memory. Um, it is a must, a must uh, watch. You will enjoy it. Uh, from myself, uh, thank you for watching. Uh, if I was to give this a, I would give it a four and a half. Um, just a few little small cosmetic details like the serif, the size of the cards, and a couple of other little small things. Probably not seeing it as a five, but a four and a half is a very good review for a book. I look forward to the next one. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for uh, taking us around what's happening internationally with the Phantom publications at the moment. Now, one um, one set of stories that does get pub published internationally on a daily basis, and we are unique in our in our fandom. I think that we still have something like that. Um, you're not seeing that in the DC and the Marvel characters so much. Spider Man, I think, is still getting around, or no? Oh, I think it might be reprints. Yeah, and just in the Sundays. But anyway, the, the fandom does still have a daily international publishing, which I think is something to be proud of in itself. Um, so we're going to talk about the Sundays and the dailies now and the, where they're at at the moment. Um, we've got the scans of these, and I'm sure Jim will flip through them as we go for those of you who are watching us on YouTube. Uh, but we're going to start with the Sunday current Sunday story, which is Sunday 193, uh, Return at the Temple of the Gods. And... Um, We've seen, I guess, over the last month or so, um, not a lot of actual action, I suppose, but certainly movement of the story. Um, how are you finding uh, the return of the Temple of the Gods at this stage, Jim? Um, look, 
I'm I'm nervous that we're revisiting this. I wasn't a huge fan of it in the first place. Um, and so now seeing that we're revisiting it, I'm nervous. But I've enjoyed... So when you say revisiting, just talk us through what you mean by that. When, is it, when has it been around in the past? It's a, okay, it's a, so it has appeared in folk stories before? In, in, daily, in daily stories. So back in when... Paul Ryan first took over. So that's what, 2004, five, six? Okay, so it's Tony era. not Lee Fork. Yeah, Tony DePaul introduced it uh, back around then. Um, uh, when, when Paul Ryan came aboard, there was two stories which touched upon the Temple of the Gods. And then it was uh, continued in Team Phantom End stories. And there was, I believe, another four-part stories and then Tony DePaul has brought it back. Um, look, it's sort of supernatural. Um, I'm not. It's it wasn't my. It's not my favourite stories that Tony DePaul has written. So I'm interested, but a little bit nervous about where he's going to take this. However, in saying that, what I've only, what I have enjoyed so far is the little details that Jeff Weigel and uh, Tony have put into this story like this panel here you've got the bedroom scene um, and then you've got the phantom putting on his suit which is not a onesie but it's a two piece um, we always figured it was a two piece to be honest yeah look it makes sense of being a two piece but then you know did you fights, always think it was a one piece I've always thought of it as a two piece well, in fights and stuff like that, if it was a one-piece, you would... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. This clearly it demonstrates... It sounds like you just always assumed it was a one-piece. I, I, I probably Isn't did. Isn't it funny? We've, we've talked Phantom for five years and have never once discussed whether his costume is a onesie or a twosie. Yeah, you know what? I might actually do that as a, um, a social media post and, and <laughs> to see... Where, see what fans have actually thought it is. Yeah, yeah. it's a onesie or twosie. Well, I do think in this panel we're dangerously close to seeing the Phantom's eyes. It's well done. Um, I like it yeah. as a as you can a. See his um, eyelashes. Yeah, it's uh, it. It's as you know we don't often see the Phantom without his cow, let alone half turned towards us. So mm. yeah, but no, I, like, I think the detail yeah. Jeff Weigel's detail across this story. I think he's just growing. Um, as a Phantom artist, every every story, every page, every Sunday seems to be just about better than the last. Yeah. Um, look, I think Diana is good in this so far and the fact that she she's a proper character. She's not just a fill-in. She's, you know, taking charge. She's like, oh, you're not ditching me on this one. I'm a part of this. And then the Phantom, who still believes he can fool Diana, like, like seriously, um, I think the Phantom should figure it out by now that he cannot pull one over Diana. Oh, it's an entertaining um, dialogue line between the two of them. Um, yeah. I do love the fact that they've gone back to Eden. Uh, it's been a, a, too long, I, and you'll be able to tell me, I suppose, when was the last time uh, the Daily or the Sunday was in Eden, at any part set in Eden? Probably when we first, when we last visited the Temple of the Gods, which would have been at the top of my head. Oh, no. Yeah. I reckon it would have been probably... So it would be close to probably 15 years. Yeah, right. I don't know exactly, but at the top of my head, I can't remember another story. Yeah. 
It's funny, um, isn't it? Because um, there's so many Cy Barry stories that have got um, Eden as a centrepiece and you just, yeah, we don't go back there very often anymore. And it's great to see the the uh, the raft come out. It would have uh, would have been cool to see Phantom swing across on his um, um, flying fox, um, but no, he's polling Diana, Diana across, which is fine. Maybe they'll um, um, flying fox back out of there. But uh, no, it's so good to see him back on Eden. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, there's only three that we've seen since we've last done a comics uh, review, but I just, yeah. Um, so, so far the story hasn't exactly grabbed me, but just the little details as we're setting yeah. up the story, it's probably exciting me a fair bit, like the... Yeah. Know, I'm, one, I'm, one I'm a bit with you when you yeah. said what you said at the start about being reserved about the returning to the setting of the Temple of the Gods, because uh, I certainly don't recall those as being um, favourite stories of mine. And um, again, you, you mentioned Supernatural. It's you know that's not my uh, that's not my favourite Phantom story. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, meanwhile, we've got the Daily to entertain us at the moment, and I think we need to go over and spend some time talking about the Daily now uh, because it is. Um, yeah, it's going places at the moment. So we're talking about Daily 261. Um, this is the Phantom's End. Um, now, there's, I really want to focus just on the storyline to begin with, Jim. I know there's to- stuff to talk about here with terms of the artwork and the, the artist and all this sort of stuff. But uh, Well, we- we'll discuss that in the news part, I think. Perfect. Let's do that. Let's uh, So put a bookmark in that. If you want to hear about the uh, the change in artwork in the daily, um, then hang out for the news part of it because um, the storyline at the moment, it's um, really, and you, you just shared with me before the podcast the last week um, and caught me up. Um, and that has really brought things into sharp focus. We're actually lucky to be recording the podcast tonight, I think, because it's hinging on a real sliding doors moment, Um, and it's interesting. It'll be fascinating to see what happens next, but uh, we can talk with spoilers because um, by the time you've uh, listened to this and we've talked about the dailies, and if not, pause now and go back and check out Comics Kingdom and and catch up on your dailies. Watch it as we're discussing on the podcast. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're correct. on YouTube, you are seeing the artwork. So basically, yeah, Kit's said goodbye. The Phantom's tried to find him and is getting, you know, the fact that... In Moz's story. In Moz's yes. story. <laughs> yeah, so try and figure that one out if you can. Then on this one, which is the night for You're the not sixth, sharing your screen yet, are you, Jim? Uh, is it not showing up for you? No. Oh, I was... Oh, no, sorry, it is. I had the run sheet over the top of that. Go on. <laughs> that explains okay. why I was talking to, telling people where to go and see it. Just of, <laughs> which I couldn't see. So back on the, uh, the night of this month, which is June, we're back in the present where the um, Moz is telling the story. And then we go back. Um, so basically, because the Phantom rescued it, Kit has ran off with some Sheila fighting in guerrilla warfare. And then Heloise has rejects her birthright. And then Diana leaves the deep woods as well. So, you know. And that's the, that's always bothered me about this storyline is that the consequences have seemed so dramatic. And for what reason? You know, you could never, I could never understand why it was so full on. Um, for the fact, so so, what he went back and got Savannah. Why did it lead to all of this? And and I think what we've seen this week is Moz leading us to that point. Yeah. Um, and then you've got basically, you know, after 
in the future when they've all left him, the Phantom's on his own, after a year or two of that, Savannah comes and finds out that, you know, Diana and the twins aren't there. And then, which the bit that we want to get to is basically in here again, old man Moz is saying, okay, you try one more time to try and find Kit. You've accepted that Diana and Heloise have left you for good, which is like, you know, whoa. And this isn't the first time that Tony DePaul has written a story about Diana leaving the Phantom. Let me just say that. He did it in a Team Phantom End story. So this is something that I think that story had potential, but it didn't quite meet the mark. And I think that was because it was broken over like a two-year cycle. But he's revisited this concept of Diana leaving the Phantom. And let's face it, we've seen it also in the 22nd saga from Team Phantom End. And then, so, oh, let me try and find Kit once more. He goes through, there's Savannah sharing his bed, which let's just say is a different bed than what we saw him sharing with Diana. Well, when you say that, I certainly didn't look at this and think sharing his bed. I saw this and saw him sneaking into her room or going into her room. Yeah. And then he kisses her, she rolls over, and she's got a fat belly. Now, she didn't eat too much curry and it disagreed with her and she got bloating. She is pregnant. Yeah, so this this strip from the 24th of June, um, which is today as we record. I know, yesterday. Is it? Oh, so what was today's? Uh, no, 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 we'll get to that in a second, but let's just let's let's deal with this bombshell first. Yeah, so this bombshell has it that <laughs> that um, and and I must have I've got it wrong a little bit again there because I didn't uh, I thought this might have been why Diana left uh, left the no. thing. So, so she Diana's left. Why? And, and because of the fact with Kit and Heloise. So Heloise. Yeah, is, that was the bit I didn't buy. I thought she'd stick yeah. around through. Yeah, yeah. So. Kit left, then Heloise, because remember before uh, Cardia committed suicide because she didn't end up with Kit. Tempted. She didn't actually commit. Well, no, 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 no. This is what happened in this same story. She, You see Cardia overdosed, and then she's like, no, I'm not having a part of this. She has. There's a picture of her having two kids and raising them in the U.S., and Diana follows her and says, no, I'm not having any part of this. You've lost me. You've lost me. Kit, who we can't find, and now Heloise doesn't want a part of being an offense mm. either. I must have missed so that that's week. why we discussed it in the last Comics and News podcast. No. Um, <laughs> so, so all that is all left up to the Phantom basically being on his own. He's got no, there's no one to take over the mantle. We know the Phantom's getting on. So to be honest, it makes sense. In the oath, it says, my sons and their sons, you know, to follow me. If if your option one and two have decided they're not going to have anything to do with the Phantom, you want the Phantom role to continue. What do you do? You have another child. That's what he's doing. All right. Go to the next page. I hear what you're saying. And then on today's panel, which is the other bombshell, old man's... Moz says, you're going to go try and find Kit one last time and when you leave, you never come back, which is the title where it says The Phantom's End. 
Okay. So in this imaginary or the I really, really, really to come seeing this as a collected book because yeah. just so many twists and turns, it's really hard to keep up with as a daily. Um, yeah, I need to be so, clipping it out <laughs> or cutting and pasting yeah. it and reading it as a so as a book. bombshell one. The Phantom has a baby after Diana and the kids leave him. And then Bombshell 2, he will actually never get to meet his Again. third child or his fourth child, if you want to, if you want to include Nadia. Um, we do not. She's not, <laughs> in the he's not in the newspapers and, and is a blight on the Phantom universe and then these names shall not be mentioned on this podcast again. <laughs> So, yeah, it's two bombshells in the space of two days. Yeah, but, and again, it's all inside Moss's narrative. So none of it is true or has happened. Um, and well, that's... It will happen if the Phantom yeah. goes to rescue that's uh, what Savannah. So that's basically, what yeah, yeah. So We've seen this in the past, though. We've had this conversation in the past. Can't the Phantom change that history? Can't it change that? Now that he knows it, can't he change that direction? Look, and last podcast, I said that the Phantom has to go rescue Savannah. But now I'm like, no, he can't. He cannot rescue Savannah. Right. I've now changed my opinion based on the last two days or the last week of, you know, and also the fact that, the Phantom dies, which, you know, which is probably could be a good thing, but, you know, could be. And then the fact that Diana Heloise is definitely not coming back, can never find Kit, and then he's decided to have another child with Savannah, which I, he, I, I understand the reason, his reasoning behind doing that. But I think when you see these cold, hard facts, especially if Diana reads that, I think you're going to have to go, no, nah, I can't do it. Yeah. Oh, if Dinah reads Moz's Chronicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's going to be yeah. hard to explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there, there's certainly ways out of it in terms of um, we know that he can't find Kit and um, Heloise and Dinah don't want anything to do with him, but if he was suddenly dead or gone, one of those may still return and take up the mantle. Um, otherwise, we've got a 20-something year gap while Savannah's kid grows up and somehow self-trains to become the Phantom. Yeah. Um, or maybe Nadar fills in for a little bit. With that, <laughs> if, that, if that happens, I, mean, I will quit the podcast and um, burn my Phantom collection. I mean, <laughs> no, I would be one of those cranky old bastards who says, that's it, I'm done. I'll stop reading now. I'll enjoy all of the back catalogue and I will ignore everything that comes from board. <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> so it's interesting that Tony DePaul's doing something similar as what Team Phantom is doing with the Phantom Potentially, yeah, potentially having another child. Um, and in the idea of him dying away from home, like that, if, if the yeah, it's just to return, yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, see, so yeah, look, 
it's funny got- because I remember I would remember podcasts a uh, hundred, maybe two hundred episodes ago where we would talk about should the twenty first phantom die, and and that different times I've pivoted one way or the other. Um, and there have absolutely been times where I have thought, you know what, maybe it is time to to kill off the phantom and get the twenty second in, in whatever form that might be. Um, it's really hard to actually read it if that's what's happening now, and it could be. Um, yeah. It's actually really hard to read. <laughs> and I wonder if that's because it's not happening how you would want it to happen. And that's why oh, it's like, you know, so if it happened the way you want it to happen, you probably will be a little bit more accepting. But I don't know how I would want it to happen. I certainly wouldn't yeah. want it to happen at the expense of his family morals. And that's happened in kind of both of them. It's, well, it's, it's I, I, and I get what you're saying with what the way that Tony DePaul has set it out now. Um, but if Diana's left him, they could have had a divorce, and then you know well, this we was know when know Savannah, that. when Savannah first came in, it said you know years have passed. So you know we don't know what's happened in those years. Yeah, yeah, and and I would hope that they, well we saw from um, every you know Moore's Phantom, McCoy's Phantom. So, um, you know, Diana and the Phantom being apart for periods of time and the wooing back and the, you know, we're never going to be together and, oh, yes, we are. So, um, you know, you'd like to think that he at least gave that a crack rather than just, oh, she's gone, oh, well. Um, yeah, got to, got to shack up with the nearest person. Yeah, exactly. So we, you're, you're interpreting a lot, and you might be right, on the words years past. Um, but but we're only given, working with the information we've been given, aren't we? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's... would you would you rescue Savannah if you were the Phantom and you're reading all this being told all this from Old Man Moz right now? Would you rescue Savannah? <sighs> Depends a lot on how much you trust Moz as a as a soothsayer or a, or a seer. Um, or would you wait a little bit to get to the end of the story and then this, this side? Well, it's probably worth getting to the end of the story, but... Um, I suppose we've sat through it this, this long, so we might as well... That's exactly right. And, and you're right. Um, a month ago, I was probably with you, but now I'm certainly... Yeah, because if that was to happen, you go, well, actually, well, I can't do that. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah and, that's, and that's where I am at the moment. I, I was like, no, you, you, you need to rescue Savannah, but it's just kind of like... I so now she we, just needs to rot in grave lines, probably get executed, and you could have. I mean, you know, that's that's not on you. There's uh, a thousand. There's lots of people dying in prisons, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who don't get rescued by the Phantom as well. And just because he doesn't have to rescue that one, he's not any more responsible for her fate than he is any other one. This is how you start yeah. to, um, you know, justify it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then the other question I want to ask was. Should have the Phantom send Kit to the Himalayas? Yeah, uh, I think that's still a justifiable decision. It's clever the way that Tony has set that up, you know, from six, seven years out um, that we've worked towards this being a really key plot point. Um, and, and yeah, again, we've talked about I I really do like the way that he has his eye on the long prize and, and, and writes the story in that way. Um yeah, I think it was still justified with the way you talk about the 14th Phantom being there and, you know, they believe it's the same person come back and all of that sort of stuff. I really liked that. I thought that was cool. And um, and the the Phantom's 
child being sent overseas for their education is part of the is part of the mythos, um, part yeah. of the. And um, I thought it was a really cool take on that. So yeah, I, I'd keep I'd keep that in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm interested to hear what some of the fans think about this story about mm. you know Savannah potentially. Oh, probably by the child. time they listen to this, they can go back and they'll be ahead of where we are right now in the conversation. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's moving at a pace. And I know there'll be people who say, oh, there's no action. Try and keep up with the story on this one and tell me there's no action. My goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking to one fan and fan, and he goes, he goes, now I've seen this panel in isolation. Is this in today's world? Or is it in yeah. Muslim storyline world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and then I said to him, I said, I'm, I said, oh, I'm reading, I'm reading it now, trying to catch up for the podcast. So I'll tell you in about five to ten minutes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he messaged me back. Well, <laughs> and I'm like, not yet, not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So it's intriguing, and uh, look. Uh, it's worth making the effort to keep up every day. I'm, I haven't this last week or so just because of the way life has been. Um, and uh, certainly this chat tonight's got me back onto it. So, yeah, I'll be looking at, for it first thing Monday morning, that's for sure. And we're lucky in Australia that we get it first. Um, we see it here before um, the rest of the world. So. And so it should be. Australia is better yeah. than the US. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our stories, our, our chat about all of the comics that um, we've seen. And, um, yeah, we've probably talked for a bit longer than we expected on that. That's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll try and scream through the news because um, the Leaf Hawk Memorial Bangala Explorers Club dinner and the Supernova event in Sydney um, has just um, happened last week, but there, we have a dedicated... Uh, podcast to that germ that you put together you recorded lots of great clips over the course of the weekend um, and package them together for people to to go back and listen to so would really recommend um, anyone who's keen on what happened that weekend to go back and listen to that podcast but um, a, a week on now germ your reflections on on the weekend look it was it was great um, I haven't been for three years I've been to probably a dozen before then um, it was probably one of my more enjoyable ones. Um, it would have been good to see through at Supernova. It would have been good to see international guests and, and stuff like that. But the dinner was great. Lots of fun. Um, uh, you know, there was lots of fan meetings and fan catch-ups. You know, I went to the one on Friday. I caught up with fans. Friday night, I caught up with fans. Saturday at Supernova. Saturday lunch, Saturday night at the at the dinner, Sunday night the after midnight special, um, where Sunday Dan, morning. yeah yeah <laughs> where Dan you try to take your twelve uh, year old son to the pub, um, <laughs> and that would have been fine except you wanted to sit in the gaming lounge, so that got me done. <laughs> Don't tell the wife it was after midnight; she thinks we got home nice and early. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, it was just, yeah. And then, you know, Sunday was a little bit, was quieter, but it was good to kind of mellow out after yeah. a big long weekend. So there was, there was one, there was one fan, I'm not going to mention his name, but he got, he had a pub close on him, not once, but 
not twice, but three times in two nights. That is impressive. <laughs> That's a big weekend. And not for everybody. And, and it certainly does not speak to the expectations of the weekend, but it does show that people are having a good time. Um, I will ask you um, a question without notice. You, you've said that you've come from Supernova again this weekend, today. Um, yes. You've gone to the Perth Supernova. Um, quick quick wrap-up of Perth Supernova, a bit of a comparison with Sydney. What, what okay, look, Sydney's probably the... Uh, the pinnacle, in a sense, it's the largest one. There's more people. There was seven, eight Phantom-related guests. Today, there was Dean Rankine, who wrote the story um, in the last year's Christmas story. There was uh, Jamie Johnson, uh, who was very busy, very popular. Um, then there was uh, Lauren Marshall, who did the cover. One of the Paris and Epoch. Yeah, with the, the rope coming out, uh, the monkey and stuff like that. She's a Perth local, so it was good to see her. And then there was one that um, I was walking past his booth and I'm like, I know that name. Uh, Brenton or Brendan McKenna, who most people will be drawing a blank now, just like dance. No, I'm, I'm thinking he's had something to do with Kid Phantom. He did Kid Phantom and Man Boy in the Boy Supernova. Drake. Yeah, Boy Drake in the Supernova yes. special. So this was when they first met. So they met in the regular yeah. one, and then there was kind of like a, a follow-up with that. So it was done by Andrew Constant, and I can't, to be honest, I can't remember if it's Brenton or Brendan. Yeah, um, McKenna. But yeah, like I, I said to him, I said, "Now, did you do this?" And he, he's, he's racking his memory, and he's going, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that!" You and I said, "I thought you looked familiar." Um, he's a he's a local indigenous uh, lad. There's there's I think there was three or four of them that were creating indigenous stories and comics and stuff right. like that as well. So, look, Do you uh, give him a, a sketch cover to uh, to get um, him. Yeah, he said he will do one for me. Yeah, he could. Um, so I've got his details and stuff like that. Um, and then I've got a sketch cover from uh, Lauren, which, again, oh, hang on. I do have the stuff. So where is it? So this was her cover. Uh, for those who are on YouTube, I can't remember what the cover was. Uh, really good cover. And then, she did a, and then she did a sketch cover for me as well. So um, that, That's yeah. coming really well. You've got to be happy yeah. with that. Yeah, and she was quite popular as well. There was a, um, I called up with uh, Daniel Brogner and Callum, who are both uh, Patreons. Uh, Chris Walker, uh, no, not the Phantom, actually, someone who was called Chris Walker, um, who's a Perth uh, guy. He's friends with uh, Trevor. They used to roll back in the day when Trevor was over here in WA. So there was, uh, and there was a few others. Uh, every time I saw Jamie, he was drawing the Phantom for a commission and stuff like that. So there was Phantom fans out there. Um, and Lauren said that she had quite a few signatures and comics to sell and stuff like that as well. So look, it's not as big, but um, it was the place was packed out. I went with my kids. You know, they slept for like four hours afterwards. They were exhausted. You know. Yep. Hopping them up on sugar and um, churros and, and stuff like that didn't keep them awake. Yep. Very good. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Off-the-cuff fan review of the, of the two supernovas. So um, earlier today, tonight, we talked about the, uh, the daily uh, strip. 
Um, and we mentioned at the time, right, we're just talking about the story, not the uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Well, the behind-the-scenes stuff is that we've seen a temporary daily artist for a period of time, and I think uh, Brett Blevins is his name. I think he's still going as current. Um, not sure exactly what the time period will be or how many daily strips he will have drawn by the time. Um, and basically he's taken over as a, well, Mike had a, um, a leave of absence for personal reasons. Um, so he's, uh, I think he's back on the the dailies now, to be honest, actually, as I say that, I haven't really seen much of that. Yeah, look, from what I understand is Mike will, uh, Tony DePaul on his blog, made mention that he's likely to be back on the dailies in probably either this week or next week. Right. Which will mean I'm not sure how far ahead As he Brett starts is drawing them now. Again. So yeah. I'm not sure how Brett how far Brett is ahead. I was thinking if if I was King Features, I would say let's just say Mike comes back next month. And it's a good way of kind of getting them a month or two in advance, it's like, okay, Brett, you're going to do it up to this storyline, which is might be, let's just say it might be until the end of July. Mike, you start on the 1st of August now, even though it's right now now. So that way he's kind of like, you know, two months ahead. So it gives them, you know, and I'm not sure if that's what they're going to do or anything like that. They would that. have to pay two artists at the same time. Um, yeah. which uh, which makes some sense in terms of what you're saying from a continuity uh, and from and a project yeah from a project but whether they actually are prepared yeah. to pony up the dough to do that is um, remains to be seen well I wonder if they pay them like a like a, a per strip so it's like let's just say for instance it's a hundred dollars per strip if it's that's the case it's going to cost them exactly the same amount but if it's a, a per hour it might cost them more. There would be the overlap. Yeah, no, yeah, very good point. It's just, yeah. Yep. You would have to be paying double at the, in the moment. And I guess that's just your, your annual budget. But you're right. Um, the, it's the commitment. In which case, would you get Brett to finish the current story and just get Mike to pick up at the start of the new story? Or do you go a... I don't uh, know. It, it really depends. To, 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 yeah, to be honest, Brett, Brett's artwork is really, really good in places and a lot of fans didn't even notice that there was the swap over until like a day or two in. I think you would, uh, yeah, you absolutely would notice over the over two or three days. Um, obviously, just the first one, you might not pay too much attention, but by the second or third one, I think you're seeing a clear difference. Yeah. Um, look, we've got an article on our website which talks about Brett about a history with the Phantom. Uh, he has helped out with Mike in the past. Now, I believe, uh, and this was a bit of an exclusive by t uh, Tony, he kind of let the cat out of the bag without, I think, realising that he let the cat out of the bag. But there's also a different person behind the pencils or who's assisting Brett. So the way I believe it is it's Scott uh, Cone or, or Con who's doing the pencils and then Brett's doing the inks. Yeah, From right. what I understand, but I haven't clarified that. That's going to have to be another article which I'll yeah. investigate later yeah. on. Um, but well, so I was just going to ask you. Obviously, we we need a, a good body of work, and I, I feel like we've got uh, what two weeks of Brett now. Would that be yeah, about right? a week and a half, two weeks? Yeah. So so still early days, obviously, and um, and everybody needs. But what what are your early takeaways in terms of Brett's um, artistic style, his presentation of the Phantom? Look, 
he's done some Moonstone covers before. Uh, his Phantom was a little bit more muscular. Um, I like his Phantom. He shows the ears. Um, he's a little bit more athletic. Uh, I, I've seen one fan comment that they didn't like how he drew Savannah, but to me, Savannah looks similar as how Mike Manley did it. Um, I prefer my Savannah the way uh, Terry Beattie or Paul Ryan did it, but that's just a personal preference. I th- I think it's moody. It's very similar as Mike. I think he's doing a good job. You know, he would have been thrown in it, um, and he's doing the best he can. And uh, mm. basically, he's keeping the Phantom Strip alive because if mm. he wasn't going to do it, would have there been anyone else that would do it on a temporary basis? Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Look, I, I, I actually like his um, the his caricature or characteristic characterization of the Phantom's physique, but um, I'm probably my criticism would be around the emotions and the facial expressions. I, I find the these characters and the Phantom especially reasonably expressionless over the, over the last two weeks sort of thing, um, which is a bit of a shame because of the, you know, we spoke before about the, the way the story is going. We might have a little bit more insight as to how the Phantom's feeling at any given time with a bit more expression on his face. I'm finding him fairly, bald, you know, as I say, very generic at the moment. So, um, but maybe that's, that's as much my uh, uncomf- uh, discomfort with the story as it's going as much as the, the artwork, so. It's probably also worth mentioning when we were talking about the Sunday story, you said, you know, I'm really enjoying what Jeff's doing at the moment. You know, yeah. Jeff's, Jeff's been in the job for how long yeah. has he been doing the job for? Oh, two years. About, no, I think it's three. probably three. Well, yeah. no, because he was in Australia 2019 and he had already been doing it for a good year before then. So maybe, see. yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's probably closer to five, yeah, four or five years. And, you know, you're saying, oh, I really like the moment where Jeff is and he's getting better and better, you know. Well, I did I did start the conversation by saying we hadn't, we've only got a small body of work from Brett, so yeah. I'm prepared to give him more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah. So, look, yeah. Um, I, I just want to say thank you, Brett, for continuing in Mike's absence. Um, you know, I appreciate it. It's a hard job and I yeah. think, yeah. No, here, here. And uh, I've just done a, a gone back and had a look. And um, Jeff started on the 9th of April 2017. So he's ticked over, gone past five years. Um, so there you go. There you go. Yep. All right. So that has taken me away from where I'm supposed to be, which is on the run sheet. So we, uh, now we've talked about that. Um, the Phantom's World collector cards. Now, I'm, I'm hoping you've got those, Jim, because you would have picked them up straight from the Fru factory. Um, but this is a new set of um, not trading cards, we're saying, because they are definitely, um, you, you're just buying the set. So they, that makes it a collection. Um, but, Jim, you're holding them up. I'll let you talk about them. Yeah, so um, most fans are probably happy that they're not going to be able to see my face and they're going to see more Phantom. Uh, But these are the cards here. Look, they're similar design concept as the Phantom's World ones. Uh, There's 18. Generations. Generations, sorry, where you've got each card is shiny. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see that. Um, I've got a full review of these up, which will be coming out the week uh, last week of July, 
So I've so I will have a full review of these. I'll go over more detail. Look, if I was to be negative, um, I would have liked to see the Phantom embossed. The actual title, the Phantom. No, 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 the actual Phantom. Oh right. Oh, embossed. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Now that that's being picky. These are, these are great cards. They're shiny. They're collectible. There's information on the back. You've got, you know, a picture of each of the actual comic that they're talking about. Um, yeah, they're enjoyable. They're educational. They'll look good in everyone who collects cards, and a lot of fans do. Um, but, yeah, if I had to be picky, and, again, like I said, I want to review everything and at least kind of give one point of, you know, of, of criticism to try and be fair is that it would have just elevated the cards if the, if the Phantom was embossed. I don't doubt that for a moment. And looking, remembering the Salvaludo cards from the, um, uh, the last, the, the trading card set, the one that genuinely, I can't remember the name of it now. The gallery series. Gallery series. Yeah. Um, the Salvaludo embossed cards there were brilliant and uh, you're at, you would be absolutely right. My, I guess my question would be how much does it cost? I genuinely don't know. How much so does it cost to emboss a yeah. car? Um, so these, those, these those are $33. $30. Yeah. The, the, the set of 18 cards? Set of 18, 33 bucks. Set yeah. of 18 cards is $33. How much would you be prepared to pay if all of those 18 was embossed? Uh, I think anywhere between the 40 and 50 yeah. You yeah, know, it's not too much more. I, I don't I, know how much it would cost to emboss that many. But. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It might, the price might have just not be there. But hey, you know, we can, we can be picky. We can ask. And yeah. It just, yeah, it, it just like, look, they're, they're great cards. They're shiny. They're like chase cards from the, from the collect trading cards. Yeah. If you like the generational cards set, you will like these. Um, yeah. Yeah, but if I had to be picky, yeah, and you're right. It's um, we don't want to be a gum, just a gushing podcast. It's gonna be, we as much as the, the temptations there because uh, we we love what we do. We love our, our purple hero. Um, now another thing, and I've got a, uh, a set of those cards on their way to me in the mail. Um, looking forward to seeing those. The uh, the folio is the other thing that uh, was released, I guess, in conjunction with Supernova Weekend. I say released because if you were able to get yourself to through headquarters on Friday um, of that weekend, you could go through through and, and Jim, you've put the, uh, some awesome reviews and so a walkthrough up on our YouTube channel as well. But the uh, through Folio 8 generations is another thing that we're able to pick up. The first folio in a while and the biggest folio by some margin that we've seen come out of through. Yeah, um... I don't, sorry, I don't actually have the cards with me at the moment, so I'm just going to try and. Well, just just while you, you while you bring up something on the screen for the YouTube fans to look at, um, in terms of that generations folio, so we've got um, thirteen prints. They're A3 prints that are gathered into a. Uh, a, a, a Manila folder of sorts, a white folder to contain them. We've got 13 prints, as I just yeah. said, um, and the artists are a bit of a, a who's who of Australian phantom artists at the moment. Um, and I'll read this list from the bottom. 
uh, or the top, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's just such a great list. We've got Paul Mason, Lauren Marshall, who says a new... Oh, um, hang on. Let's, let's, let's do... Okay, so let me... Sorry, I'll put, right. I'll put my screen over the... My run sheet over the top of your face instead of the photo. <laughs> right. right. So there's uh, Paul Mason's. Yep. And the theme of these is um, each generation of fandom, yeah? Yes. So this is what the twentieth they've got as Paul Mason. Um, oh, look, I do go over it in the video review, but yeah. it's the Nam one, yeah. So it would be the twentieth. Yeah. All right. So if you want to just keep scrolling through the, um, the uh, then we've got Alex Trip, which is probably my favourite. And that's the uh, the fandom not in costume. You didn't like that in the comic. Why do you yeah. like it as a folio piece? So that's. The flame, um, I don't. It's now apparently, and I'm not an artist, and I don't quite understand it. But there's a, and I'm going to butcher it. But there's a, there's a wheel or a, a some old school artist comes up with like a, a a way, like a circle type of thing to kind of where your eyes flow and stuff like that. Alex well, Tripp has. I know what you're talking. It's a snail shell type thing. Yes, I don't know something like that. I'm gonna get Alex on the podcast, and he's gonna actually explain it. You can but, actually see it in that in that artwork. Yeah. Actually, as now that you've said it, you can sort of see your eye circling around and around the the, the yeah. Picture. So look, that's the story behind that piece. Um, I've promised Alex to come on the podcast, and so when he comes on the podcast, he can explain this in better detail than yeah, what cool. Nuffy's like we can. Um, then you've got Chewy Chan, which is Gaslight, uh, which okay. his style works for. Um, where are we? Then you've got Shane Foley for the first Phantom. Um, and again, I, I go over this in the, in the review as well. So we'll just quickly go over it. Then we've got, um, Antonio Lemus. Which is the twenty first Phantom? Um, there is the Cowboy Phantom, which is the sixteenth from memory. Is that um, Jeremy McPherson? Uh, no, 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 that's Glenn Lumsden Gray. Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's quite cool. Um, oh, yeah, we've done. Paul Mason. Then you've got this one, which is Granger's, which is the robot phantom. Now, in my opinion, this would look brilliant as a glow-and-dark poster. Um, it's kind of like a crossover between the robot phantom and phantom 2040. And I just, I just think, you know, this hanged up with a you know, with a glow and dark, with all these neon bits, it's glow and dark. And maybe you remember the old magic eye? Yeah. Yep. That background kind of reminds me of that. So if you could <laughs> somehow get it as a magic eye during the day with the background, and I'm not sure whether <laughs> it will be like the Phantom or, or whatever it was, and then have this glowing and dark at the night time, that would be epic. <laughs> that would be full on. Um, all right, then we've got Lily McDonald, I think is, yeah, Lily McDonald, sorry, who this is the Epoch Phantom. So that's kind of like the 
That's the image that was used for the cover, isn't it? No, I believe it's actually different. Okay. From memory. Well, clear um, style. Yeah, clear style. Then you've got Lily, no, uh, Lauren Marshall, uh, pump up the good old WA people. Um, this is the 22nd Phantom. So you've got Kit and Heloise, purple, red. I quite like this. This is one of my favourites. Um, then you have Glenn Ford, which is the... Now, he used a fancy word. It's the interbellum phantom or something like that, which basically means in between the two walls. Oh, yeah. So, um, and Glenn likes throwing out these fancy big, long words. <laughs> um, and then you've got, last but definitely not least, you've got uh, Jeremy McPherson, which is Julie, yeah. and the Phantom is the 17th Phantom. Tell you what, they um, it's a good range. It's interesting that they've drawn on all three, because if we're including Flame now, um, they've drawn on all three um, female Phantoms to include in that, um, that set of 13. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Julie, uh, Flame, and Heloise. Yeah, yeah. Um, just interesting. Just a just a point of commentary. Yep. No, it's a it's a good concept. It's an interesting number thirteen. And, and um, are you thinking that there'll be another uh, folio set in maybe twelve months to cover the rest of the fandoms that haven't been um, depicted there? I would like to see that. Like we've got. I mean, so that makes twenty six, and there's. Um, I guess we've got the robot phantom there. We've got the robot phantom. We've got twenty second phantom. Yeah. So that takes us to twenty four. Oh yeah, twenty three. Sorry, and then you've got you've got twenty forty yep. defenders of the earth, yeah, which takes us to twenty five, yeah. Um, and then I'm sure you know it doesn't have to be thirteen. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. It's just an interesting activity to go. Yeah. Well. So because yeah, as I said before, it's the most most of these prints we've seen in a in a folio. I think they've been seven. Um, seven prints in each of the others, or maybe even only five. No, no, no. Some were only four. There was the Phantoms World one, which was four, because I was going through them the other day, and then there was the Herms Press one, which was only a couple. I think that one was five. Glenn Lumsden's was, I believe, seven or eight, but they were A4 size. Yeah, that's right. So this is like double the amount. Yeah. and I, I think that's because they've got so many artists now. Like, you know, they've, and you got to remember of the ones, oh, the other one that they had was um, Jason Paulos's Phantom Crusader. Oh, that might be 26. So that's 26. So you could go, if you were to go 13 again, yeah. you could go the remaining Phantoms plus the 2040 and Defenders of the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would have 11 other past Phantoms. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be so, interesting to because well, the, this is a, a fantastic lineup of artists. Yeah. Um, every every one of them is bringing something fresh and um, unique to the table. They've all got very different styles. Um, so it'll be interesting to see these same thirteen get a run again. They're, uh, all, they're all Australian. Uh, yeah, absolutely, all Australian. Um, and, and it's interesting the um, Alex Tripp's take on the ninth Phantom and Flame um, would have worked perfect. Well, jeez. Dare I say it should have been the cover for the flame issue? Yeah. Dare I say it? <laughs> so 
in looking at that list, there's also Jamie Johnson, Clayton, um, Barton, who we've just talked about. Um, I kind of get the feeling Matt Kime is another artist who's not featured in this 13. Marcelo Bays is someone who's done one a long way back. Yeah, Marcelo, uh, Chris Well. Yeah. He's so we're, that's what five. So yeah. there's a good there's a good covering of of Australian artists that they are tapping in on here, and yeah. we've just listed another five who didn't get a gig in this one who could quite yep. easily get a gig. Yep. yep, if required. So it's a good problem to have for free. Yeah, it absolutely is. Absolutely is, and, and fantastic to see them supporting um, Australian creators. I think. Um, that that would have been a criticism of Fru over yes. over de- the last decades. Um, under the new Fru crew, absolutely not. They are staunch supporters of Australian creators um, and the amount of local artists that we now know about that we just didn't before yep. because we'd never we'd never seen them and um, and all of a sudden you know <laughs> there's a fresh cover, there's a fresh artist, there's you yeah. know this range of thirteen. Nicholas um, Scott. There's another one. Correct. He's yeah. done a cover. Yeah. So, yeah. so in talking to, covering up with what you said, in talking to Lauren, it was through that reached out to her. So, um, yep. yeah. So, look, sometimes it happens that way. Other times you got to bang the door down with free. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, and, and we, as the readers, are all the better for it. So, the variety yes. we're seeing is fantastic. Yes. All right. Bit of fun. All right. Well, I'll let you take this next one because this is your baby. <laughs> Look, this is, this is what happens when you have no sleep and you're stuck <laughs> on a plane. Uh, you come up with crazy ideas. And one of them what is, what is a collective noun of fans? Now, collective nouns are kind of fun. Like crows, a collective noun of crows is called a murder. Uh, and then you've got, some other ones, uh, you know, and they're kind of silly. You got herd, which is cows, you know, you got your, your, your standard ones and then you have your, your cool ones like a murder of crows. So we thought, let's have some fun. Now, we've put it out on social media and we've got, what, there's a good 15 there and there was probably another five that I didn't bother including as well. So <laughs> the ones that replied, I'm going to be in contact with you probably this week as this podcast goes up and getting, and if you don't have one of these uh, Chronicle Chamber wristbands, I'm going to get your details and I'm going to send, send you a, a, a wristband. We've still got some left over. So let's go over a couple and then, Dan, you're going to tell me which one you like, okay? So mm-hmm. we've got a fork of fans, uh, mythos of fans, a chamber of fans, obviously trying to butter us up, <laughs> um, do they get two wristbands for that? Or <laughs> uh, Phantasmin of fans? It almost sounds like an orgasm of fans, so I'm not really sure about that. Might one. Be the point. <laughs> <laughs> a foundation of fans. This one I like. A kit of collectors. Uh, an obsession of fans. That's kind of cool. This one was by Trevor's wife. This next one, old farts. With a PH, <laughs> which is 
which is kind of uh, unfortunately um, we're going to try and buck that trend. But unfortunately, <laughs> You're not comfortable is, yet being part of the old parts no. crowd, so that one. <laughs> for how do you spell this? How do you say this? Fraternity. One? Fraternity of Fork and Freaks. So he's managed, and the, of course you've got the PH in fraternity. probably a fraternity of fans would have done done the job, but it, I admire the extra effort of just going. You know what I'm going to. Forking it up in here. <laughs> that's uh, maybe that's something. We're forking it up. <laughs> yeah, a council, uh, a forking fantastic, <laughs> uh, fanners, which stands for phantom fans who walks together. A uh, fascination of fans. This is this. That's probably my favourite. A fascination oh. of fans. A flock. Of fans with a PH and the fans who walk. So there's some good ones in there. Yeah, yeah. Like people have put a lot more effort into it than I would have expected them to, to be honest. So, um, like everyone who's uh, who's put an entry in absolutely earns the earns the prize. Um, I do like a kit of collectors. I think that's yeah. clever and, and it requires that inside joke um, because you would only be a you could only be part of the kit of collectors if you were a phantom collector. You yes, can't, yes. Uh, you know, if you're a car collector or a old bottles or whatever it is, whatever your fascination is, um, you know, I think yeah. a kit of collectors, that's pretty clever. But from the outside, you probably wouldn't realise that it is phantom related. Oh, look, a fascination's good. Mm. An obsession of fans. I do like an obsession of fans. I've got a mate who's got a fishing boat called the Obsession. And uh, I do, <laughs> and, it, and it does... Um, harness a bit of that uh, that hunting nature that some of us get when we're looking for that rare collectible. So, uh, yeah. no, they're all good, and thanks to everybody who sends stuff stuff in. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, having a bit of fun. Uh, I think he's done a great job. Like I said, everyone who has sent us one, I'll be in touch. I know some of them have already got a wristband. Uh, basically, we're trying to give wristbands away. Uh, we gave a lot of them out. You've got the little face, which was designed by Grange, and then on the back you've got uh, Chronicle Chamber. I'm not sure if you noticed, but um, Matt Kime did up a video overnight, and he's doing the video, and you can see as he's doing the video his Chronicle Chamber wristband. Oh, I messaged yeah. him, and he goes, I haven't taken it off all week. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, <laughs> he's got something in common with my son then. He's... Uh, so Gus has worn his for a week. I had to take. I had to get him to take it off today to play his football game, and then he was pestering me before they'd finished singing the song um, that he that he wanted to put it back on. So <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. That's good to see. Yeah. No. So thanks for everyone for helping us have a bit of fun with that one. Cool. Cool. Now, um, I guess uh, a bit of uh, news to Chronicle Chamber um, people who are patrons, particularly. Um, but we did put the word out more broadly that um, the late we spoke about the Fru folio before. We know that Salval Luto and Eugenio Matozzi have put out their own folios a couple of times over the last couple of years, largely to do with, and I'm going to get the Comic Con wrong, it's one of the ones in Italy. Yeah, whenever they go to Italy, they kind of do it. So it's Luca. Luca, that's the one I think of. There's another one which uh, Sal's done as well. So look. They've now arrived. I'll drop a video to kind of, I'm trying to not get the, the light shining, but never mind. This is what they look like. So this is the Cell and Eugenio one. So there's eight prints. That's what they look like in there. Uh, 
and look, they're, they're very well done. They're kind of like the free one. You've got the good thing, and then you've got thick, thick, thick paper signed by both of them. Um, so, look, we've got one or two of these left. So we're charging $100 each or $180 for two sets. Now, they're a little bit more expensive because basically we've had to import them from uh, Italy and look, but you know they they were quite they were quite um, what do you call it uh, quite heavy. Now this cover here was so these are Moonstone covers done by Eugenio uh, Mazzio. So this here is similar as the pieces that were donated at the dinner, and then there's the front cover as well. So Carlisle and Terry, I, b I believe, are the ones who won those two pieces. You may want to get one of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it matches with the piece that you've brought. Yeah. So, look, yeah, if you're interested, get in contact with us. It's basically first in, first uh, best dress. Um, basically, I'll be sending those out to everyone this coming week. Uh, maybe next week, depending on how I go with work and stuff. But within the next week, they will be sent out to you. Very good. All right. And um, you may have heard there, I just made reference to our Patreon uh, subscribers. Our Patreons were the first people to get the news about um, something like that coming in. You've just heard there's only one or two left. And uh, um, probably by the time you've heard this, someone else has already snapped it up. But uh, the way that you can be in touch, touch with the, the breaking um, stuff that does come to Chronicle Chamber. And it's not always those sorts of um, purchasing opportunities, but it's also, you know, you're the first ones to, to find out about where we're going, what we're doing. Um, you are also the first one. You, there's the seasonal prize. We've just drawn that recently, um, a bag from um, the... They got, a, they got a wristband and they've the also got early access to a project that we've been working on as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's um, so there's lots of uh, lots of benefits to being a Patreon, um, as well as just the the feel good feeling you get from supporting um, supporting the podcast and everything that we do, and the full list of everything that uh, the, the money pays for is up on the Patreon page as well. So hit us up on patreon.com slash Chronicle Chamber um, if you'd like to support us financially in any way, and from as little as a dollar a month, it all counts, and uh, you get re receive all of the benefits that we've just talked about there. Um, at whatever level. Um, you don't need to be a Patreon fan to know or a um, subscriber to know that our next podcast is going to be with Peter Anderson. This is the first time we've released that a little snippet of information. Peter Anderson's probably the, is the most credited through Phantom writer. Hmm. So, yep. and, um, and yeah. he strikes me through conversations I've had with him online and through through the written word that he's quite a witty character too. So I'd imagine that yes. it was uh, a fairly humorous podcast at times as well. Yes, yes, you you will enjoy it. If you like the free stories or if you like free writing stories, this will be a good one for you to listen to. Very good. All right, so that's going to drop into your uh, your inbox or your podcast inbox um next in the next week or so as uh, as we release that one um obviously there's a way to make sure that you're getting that is to subscribe to us wherever you're watching or um, listening to this um, whatever your preferred app is um at any time make sure that you keep up to date with the latest um in the phantoms world 
um, via our website, chronicalchamber.com. We, everything that we talk about really does get a, an article posted up there, so you can take your time to read that, get ahead of the game. Um, and also, if you want to get in touch with us for whatever reason, and certainly if you are keen on those Salvaluto or Eugenio Matosi prints uh, that we just showed you earlier, email us at chronicalchamber at gmail.com. Um, of course, um, I mentioned subscribing. You can do that via YouTube. You can probably get notifications about when we drop things and hit bells and all that stuff as well. But um, as I say, the best way is just subscribe and it all flows from there. Um, thank you very much for joining us tonight, uh, today, wherever it is, uh, whatever time it is in the world we're listening to. Jeremy, it's been um, great to talk fandom with you again. Um, and thanks very much for joining us. No worries. And this is a good reason, a good two-hour podcast. This is the reason why we try and do these once a month because can yeah. you imagine what it would be like if we didn't do this for three months? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, yeah. It, I'm, I'm glad we've got it out of the way <laughs> because uh, there's just so much happening at the moment. There's just so much to talk about. We won't have Supernova to wrap up anymore. So. No, no. But, um, we can start look, getting excited for the next one. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, stay safe. And for myself, happy phantom. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, mate. Happy phantom. The ghost who walked the Enemies beware. The phantom's always there. But you won't find the phantom. He finds you.